Good morning. We are so excited to have you here with us and definitely looking forward to celebrating Easter in just a couple of weeks. So I wanted to personally invite you to join us at one of our safe and, and super exciting in-person services on April 3rd, Saturday at 5 p.m. or at either of our Sunday morning services at 9 or 11. We especially look forward to celebrating with you if you are connecting with us or reconnecting with us for the first time. We will also be live streaming our nine o'clock service on Sunday morning. So be sure you are inviting those around you to join with you this coming Easter in just a few weeks. And don't forget to pre-register on our website. Now, I'm really glad that you can join with us today. And, and I wanna start by challenging you with this question. It's a simple question, and here it is. Why? That's it. Why? Like, that's the question. It's just to simply say, why? And we should be asking that question with everything that we do. We should be asking, why are we doing it? Because why is, is a super fair question to ask? And it's, and it's not um, a super spiritual one either. I mean, why has been around for a long time? And the truth is, we all have our own why. Like, social scientists define your why as simply this, understanding your purpose behind what makes you do the things you do. That is your why. Now, it's troubling, however, that we don't often ask the question, at least not enough. So we might, for example, uh, go out to eat a lot, and it's not really that healthy, and it's not that inexpensive either, but we do it. We rush into relationships that maybe aren't healthy and maybe aren't good, but we'll do that too. You make decisions, and so do I, that hurt other people. We don't pause to ask why. We spend our money and direct our time to certain priorities. You attend church. Uh, maybe you read your Bible. Maybe you just try to be a good person. But why do you do that? See, we rarely if ever, if ever ask why we do the things we do. We just often find ourselves doing them. And we don't really need to, to think about why behind our, our actions anymore because we're all fairly... Uh, robotic in our decision-making, in our actions, and our habits. So why may have mattered at one time, but it doesn't really matter anymore. Now, we've been spending nearly two months reading through the New Testament book of Acts. Um, if you're just joining with us, we've been talking about this through this book that's included in the New Testament of our Bible, and the, the events that were written there took place about 30 years after Jesus' resurrection, which, by the way, was reported by hundreds of eyewitnesses. So the book of Acts is a detailed historical account of the beginning of the Jesus movement in the first century. Luke is the author, and he chronicles his interviews of Jesus' disciples and his own experience traveling with Jesus' disciples as they took the message of Jesus 
out into the Roman world. See, Luke includes all kinds of details that happens throughout the book because he wants us to know that these are very real things which happen to very real people in very real places and very real time. He wants us to trust that what he is saying to us happened, that it happened, and that it's true. Now, something to understand is that, that writing was a very time-consuming and expensive undertaking in the first century. Like Luke may have been funded by a, a wealthy Roman benefactor who actually would help to finance his writing of both the Gospel of Luke, which he also wrote, telling the story of Jesus' life, and the book of Acts. And we see this, this potential benefactor's name mentioned in the very first chapter of Acts. Look at this at Acts chapter 1. It says, In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach, until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to his apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. He talked to them about the kingdom of God. Why would Luke go through all of this trouble, all of this expense, to share this story? You see, Luke didn't believe it was enough to just claim that Jesus had risen from the dead and that that fact had sparked a movement. He could have just written and told us that and gone through a lot less expense and trouble, but he and others risked much, some even death, to share the why behind their story. Because as it turns out, this small band of Jesus followers in some back dusty corner of the Roman Empire began a wave of impact which brought full and lasting life to millions for centuries afterward. And for a people like you and I, who don't often know our why, the book of Acts matters to us. Because Acts answers the questions you and I aren't asking, but maybe we should. Why trust? Why Jesus? Why this? Why me? So here's our big idea coming out of Acts today. The right why leads to full life. The book of Acts begins by reiterating the mission of Jesus. From the beginning, Jesus had given his followers the assignment to take his promise of full life to all people here, near, and far. And it would be done through community. So together, the early Christians would serve, encourage, learn, give, and, and go together, taking Jesus' love into their communities. The movement would, would not, however, be fueled by their shared beliefs, but it would be fueled by the Holy Spirit of God, his power and presence at work in and through them. So if we had to summarize the book of Acts in, in one word, it would be this sent. Followers of Jesus are sent to take the good news of Jesus into every sphere of our society. Now, Paul has been one of the leading characters in this book, 
And in Acts chapter 22, Paul is on trial in Jerusalem for his teaching about Jesus, whom the Jewish religious leaders did not believe was the Messiah promised by God in the Jewish scriptures. So in the chapters which kind of follow, Paul is passed up the chain of judiciary command, as it were, as he goes before Roman governors in defense of his faith. The Romans find it difficult to judge Paul as guilty and deserving of imprisonment, imprisonment, and and they want to have him released. The Jewish leaders, however, well, they want Paul to die. In one instance, Paul is addressing Agrippa, the Jewish puppet king set up by Rome, trying to reason with him on the Jewish scriptures and how the prophecies point to Jesus. He says this, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Agrippa interrupted him. Do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? Paul replied, whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, except for these chains. You see, Paul reveals something here, and I don't want us to miss this, because Paul reveals his why. Paul wants everyone in the courtroom to know Jesus as Savior and King. He wants them to be reborn from their old life in sin and washed clean by the blood of Jesus. So he says to King Agrippa, you want to know what I'm trying to do here? Like, I want you to be like me. I want you to know the depth of God's love for you. I want you to know from what dark pit the creator of heaven and earth has gone down into in order to bring you back to him. You see, Paul wants his audience to experience what he's experienced. Um, That background or past mistakes or wealth or education or success, that titles, like none of that mattered. God calls Paul his beloved son. God calls Agrippa and the Roman governor and the governor's wife, like all the people in the room, he calls them his sons and daughters. That's their identity. They are completely accepted and worthy and 100% loved by a good father in heaven. Your identity is found in Jesus. And that is Paul's why. See, your why is, is, is first grounded in who you think you are. We then believe and act out of our identity. So think about it. If I think I am in charge of my sexuality, then I choose and identify with what is best for me sexually. If I think I am my success, I will find satisfaction and defeat as I rise and fall with wins and losses. If I think I'm the sum of my mistakes, then I will see myself as unworthy. If my identity is in my relationships, I will flourish when my relationships are good and I'll spiral downward when they aren't. If your identity is firmly grounded as a son or daughter of God, however, anything is forgivable, redeemable, And his love for you drives your freedom to live for and rest in him. See, later Paul will write to the Christians in Rome this reminder in Romans chapter 8. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, which means father. Well, Agrippa doesn't become a Christian that day. And neither do the Roman officials in in, in the courtroom with Paul. But out of this, Paul does something which will ultimately seal his destiny. You see, Paul is fed up with the legal back and forth, and he appeals to have his case heard before Caesar himself. See, they were going to release him, but because he appealed to Caesar, he now had to be sent to Rome. Now, brilliantly, Paul knew if he had just kind of kept up his defense, that he knew that they would have released him. 
But instead, he intentionally appeals to Caesar, knowing that he would be ushered into the presence of the most powerful man in the ancient world. The right why leads to full life. Paul has a solid why, and it drives him forward at every turn. I want to show you this. Um, Simon Sinek is a social scientist who does a, a ton of writing and research about our why. He talks about your what, how, and why. Your what being like every person knows what they do. For example, I, let's say I like looking at the social media posts of my friends. And he talks about the how, and some people know how they do it. For example, I, I do it best by spending hours of day. And I see that uh, if I pay attention to Apple's screen time report each week. And then you come to the why, and he says very few people know why they do it. See, Paul's why is grounded in his identity, but it's also found in his equipping. You are equipped to love. Paul always saw his environment as a place to bring in the love of Jesus, in the city square, places of worship, in the courtroom, or in a prison cell. Paul moved, spoke, and acted with intentionality, trusting God in every opportunity to equip him to do the work that God had led him to do. In Acts chapter 27, Paul is put on a ship along with other prisoners and the ship sails for Rome. So when the ship is being battered by a storm, Luke tells us Paul sees this vision from God that all 200 people on board are gonna be spared, but the ship is gonna be wrecked. Look what it says in verse 30. When the sailors tried to abandon the ship, they lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboats and let it drift away. So, so let me ask you this. How are you in a crisis? Seriously. Like when things your friends are co with aren't going well for your friends or coworkers, do you jump into the conversation? Like what do you do to point people to, to something good when they're hurting? Do you look for ways to bring up Jesus? You should, because you can. And God has equipped you with everything you and I need to do it. You see, Paul is on the ship as a prisoner, bound for trial in Rome. And he's sharing this message, which is going to save lives. Even when he's not preaching, Paul's still preaching. He's leading people to full life in the way that he cares for their needs. Look at this. It's in verse 33. It says, just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You, you have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. All 276 of us were on board, Luke says, and after eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. You see, in the in the middle of the storm, Paul takes the opportunity to encourage the crew with his words and with food because there's like hardly anything more encouraging than food, right? I mean, come on. But, but he can't help to see this and every opportunity as his opportunity to love people and point them toward God. Paul writes this to the Christians in the city of Ephesus, and it's in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, so you are God's man, or you are God's woman, and you have what it takes because he has given it to you. Now, we don't need to feel pressure to be like Paul in order to step into our own equipping 
God has equipped you to love and trust him and serve others. Uniquely, he has equipped you. No one will step in on your behalf. If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit puts power and action to your why. And the right why leads to full life in Jesus. So Paul arrives in Rome in Acts 28, which is the final chapter of the book. And look at this. When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging. And though he was guarded by a soldier... So a time was set, and on that day, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. See, I love this because Paul's why was driven by his mission. And you and I are deployed for mission too. It's, it's the same mission Jesus promised was the reason for his coming in the first place. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus tells us, this plainly. He said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, Jesus's mission to lead others to full life in him, that's our mission too. And Paul knew it was his. Now, history tells us that Paul stood before trial before Emperor Nero, who ruled somewhere between 54 and 68 AD, and that Paul was most likely released at the time. But we know that after Paul's first imprisonment in Rome, he spent time and he traveled with Timothy and Titus. He traveled to Ephesus and Corinth and other places he had journeyed from in his past. We don't know exactly where Paul was when he was arrested the second time and taken back to Rome in chains. But we do know that when Paul faced Nero again, he was ultimately executed during Nero's infamous persecution of Christians in Rome. But listen how Luke ends the book of Acts. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. See, our Heavenly Father set into motion his church and nothing was going to stop it. And nothing ever has. It kept going and it still moves today. Because as the fame of Jesus spread, so people found their why. They discovered why Jesus. It was ordinary flawed people who found their identity in Jesus as sons and daughters of a God who died for them, who forgives them and loves them. They found that God equipped them to serve and to love others just as he had created them to do. And they they uncovered the why them. They found purpose. They were deployed on the same mission to show Jesus to others through their lives. It's sad that so few people discover their why. And maybe it's because they're, they're looking inside themselves or, or maybe to other people or to their circumstances when they should be looking outside to someone who is even greater. Do you know what your why is? Probably not, so so Jesus offers us his why. He loves you and he's crazy about you. He wants you to discover full and lasting life as you claim your identity in him and then follow his path for your life. 
The right why leads to full life in Jesus. Now, throughout this series, we've been challenging you to expand your circle of impact. And if you haven't found your identity as a son or daughter of God and put your faith in him, then I want you to email me and we will talk about what it looks like for you to do that. If you haven't connected into a church community yet, here at White Oak or any place, email me and, and, and we'll help you to do that. If you are a follower of Jesus, expand your circle of impact. See, Paul's ministry is technically over, but ours isn't. And we're still learning from and inspired by his ministry even today. The work of Jesus' church is not finished. It's not finished in your family. It's not finished in your friends' circles. It's not finished in Colerain or in Ross or in Greater Cincinnati. And it's not finished to people groups all over the world who have not yet heard the message of Jesus. This is your charge and mine from the book of Acts. Take one step to expand the impact your life has on others. White Oak, we will be about that this year, locally, globally, and in relationship with one another. And if you don't see that happening around here, I want you to call me out on it and we're gonna pursue it together because together we will expand our circle. Listen to what Paul says as he sits in that cell for the second time in Rome, this time awaiting his execution. He's writing to his friend, Timothy. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing.